Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Right, I'm praying this is working this time properly. So I want to be able to start this conversation and get it popping. I wonder if it's just my connection. Wi-Fi is looking good, so I wonder what it is. I wait for everyone to trickle in. I'm alone. You can jump in whenever you're ready for us to have this conversation. Let's try again. I hope this works. If it doesn't work, I'll just have the chat without being able to see you. But I just want to engage reactions all that sort of stuff there perfect see now i can see you <laughs> yes man yes man listen what are you telling me how's the day been bro i'm fine man that that good to go reminds me of um what's that song it's like good to go bro i don't know i don't think i've heard it but it sounds like you're putting me onto a little good tune <laughs> I don't know, something just rang in my head Yes man, listen What I want you to do is I want you to introduce yourself to my audience So we know who you are And I suppose your reasons for being able to jump on my podcast And talk about the amazing work that you're doing Yeah, so um, my name is Malone McQuendy uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to slap yeah, on the string it. vest man <laughs> It's hot in my yard <laughs> Yeah, so um, basically, um, my name is Malobu Kwendi. I am a third-year medical student currently studying in London. Um, I am also the co-author of Mind the Gap, which is a handbook of clinical science and black and brown skin. I am also the founder of blackandbrownskin.co.uk, which is a website which we hope can create a database of images and share the stories on black and brown skin. Wow. Listen, so my first question has got to be to you. What inspired you to create the handbook that you've created? Because I think it's a big feat in itself and it's marvellous, but I think 
you did something that not many people would want to do or probably have had the idea to do. So what inspired you and how did you go about the process to making it? Um, I think the inspiration kind of came from getting to medical school and realising that we're not taught a lot on darker skins. And it's almost like a frustration which built up, like, always asking, oh, what does this look like on darker skin? What did this look like? And almost having to have this battle to tell people that, no, this will not present the same on darker skin as it does on white skin. So we need to do something about it instead of just assuming that it's all the same. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of where the inspiration came from. And that's start to finish, essentially. Okay, so tell me the beginning of it and then tell me how you've been able to reach to it actually being published. Okay, so the beginning was, um, I would say the beginning, like loads of people don't actually appreciate that the journey of Mind the Gap didn't actually start with Mind the Gap and it started with other random elements. I forgot what that theory is called, but you know when you're doing something today which you don't know how it's going to impact you tomorrow, but it will count for something tomorrow. I forgot what they call it, like the, um, I forgot what they call it. But anyway, that kind of started when I was like 14. Like when I look back, some of the schemes and stuff that I was signing up to, stuff that I was getting involved in, when I break down Mind the Gap fundamentally, I picked up those skills back then, like six years ago. Um, but the actual for Mind the Gap itself, like as an isolated event or isolated project, that started in November 2019. I approached my personal tutor. Well, my personal tutor always knew that I was complaining about this all the time at university. <laughs> so a personal tutor is someone that in the university space you can go and talk to you about any problems or any concerns or just anything, any issues you have in general. So I would approach her and constantly complain about this same problem. And then she... I got a phone call, so... It's okay. But yeah, she knew someone else who was in the university. And from there, we kind of... Um, we linked up the three of us and we began to start making Mind the Gap. So we sat down and kind of wrote down a list of problems and areas which need to be solved. And then we kind of tackled the one which we thought was kind of the one that we could do with the resources that we had. And Mind the Gap was born from there. And when you created Mind the Gap, did you envision that it was going to create almost like a nationwide change in the way that it has? Because I saw... Um, the work you did, I think, via an article. And then I spoke to Jess, who was also on my live at one point, who also oh, said yeah. that I should speak to you. Because I was trying to find your Instagram for ages. <laughs> I, saw your, I think I found your Twitter. Yeah, so loads of... I've, see, the thing is, I think when you don't plan for stuff like this, you don't realise how almost in demand that you are. I didn't actually realise people... Because I've been told this so many times that so many people have been looking for my Instagram. Yeah, and my Instagram was private for so long. Now, like, oh, like people are trying to look for me. I think what told me was, um, Jess was one of the people, um, just loads of other people just kept on messaging me, like, so and so is looking for you, so and so is looking for you. And then I was like, well, let me just make my Instagram open so that you can just type in my name on the search bar and I should come up somewhere. I don't know how high rankly I am, but um. Yeah, 
What wait? What did you say beforehand? Um, I was speaking to you about you didn't did you didn't envision it to be as big as it's become. So I'd oh. love to know where did you expect it to go, and how do you feel now that it's almost rocked a nation in some senses that you've created this handbook to show people what certain signs look like on melanated skin. Because mm. I remember my mom was a nurse when I was younger. I've looked through like some of her handbooks and it was always white skin, um, European skin. And I didn't really think too much of it. I didn't really question the status quo. But you've questioned the status quo. You've made a book. So yeah, what is it being like, you know? So, you it. <laughs> so it's funny because when I actually made the initial tweet, um, when I quoted the tweet, um, there was kind of almost like a slowness coming from our camp. People were just taking long to respond to email, just almost like sleeping on the job. And that's just because of like online learning and online having to meet on Microsoft Teams and wait for everyone to be free, wait for them to almost just sort out everything else in their life and then be able to be free. So then I was like, you know what, I'm tired. Like, Mind the Gap itself actually finished. Like, the whole handbook was finished in May. So I didn't actually tweet the work until mid-June. But then I was tired. Like, I was like, guys, like, this has been going on forever. Please, like. So then I put the tweet out to kind of, I was wanting, I was trying to get a response because I knew a response would come. I was kind of expecting a response of, like, 50 retweets. Um, just... <laughs> I just needed a something. I just needed one person to comment. That's all I needed. And then I was going to show my people that I was working with, like, guys, look, people are saying that, like, they need the work. So we need to, especially if we've got it saved on my laptop, like, all I have to do is click send. Um, and then when I put the tweet out, I think after an hour, it had, like, 1,000 retweets. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then the next morning, it had, like, 10K. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. And I don't know if anyone has ever had, like, a tweet which has passed 10K. But what happens on Twitter is your Twitter kind of changes. Okay. Because, like, it kind of starts grouping notifications. Because imagine, like, I was getting, like, 1,000 retweets an hour. So it starts wow. grouping things. Um, so we'll start to group things. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to get loads of messages, loads of comments and whatnot. And the person I am, I'll always try and respond to all comments because, like, yeah, like, I don't see why I wouldn't. However, the rate at which things were coming in, it, it felt like I, I couldn't physically respond to anything. And nine times out of ten, I wouldn't see half of the comments because yeah. it would just get grouped up. And it would be like, the the latest person and 62 others have commented on your post. So it's like, I would only see the latest person who's commented whenever I'm there. Um, so that was quite interesting. I think I posted it on my Instagram the next day. Instagram was a slow burner. Like, it wasn't, like, as crazy as Twitter. Um, but it was, I don't know what happened on Instagram, but there was a day I remember where I think someone famous must have shared it, and then it just started to do, like, crazy numbers. Um, I think, yeah, like, the response that Mind the Gap has had thus far I kind of didn't expect it, and I didn't expect it to come as soon as it did. I was hoping that, like, Mind the Gap would change and revolutionise the way we teach healthcare globally and the way we learn it. Um, but it was almost kind of like a five-year plan or, like, a, just a long-term plan. That's what it was. Yes. However, 
Mind the Gap literally did that in less than a week. And it was like, <laughs> what we were going to try and do over five years has kind of, the door has been opened within a week. And it was like almost like, where do we go from here? I didn't plan this. Um, almost thinking on your feet, trying to just make sure that I am making the right decisions, talking to the right people, doing the right things at the right time. Um, I'm not sure if people, well, I assume people remember because it was only two months ago. Um, but at the time of the release, it was still kind of like the plight of, um, what's it called? The Black Lives Matter stuff that was yes. going on, on on Twitter and on Instagram, on social media in general. So a lot of people almost came to me from a, like, we want to help, we want to support yes. the force. We want to um, amplify your voice almost. But at the same time within that, a lot of people were kind of, this is trending. We need to jump yes. on. So imagine me on the receiving end, I was struggling to differentiate between the two. And at the start, um, I think I would call it being naive. I just assume that everyone is clean-hearted, good intentions. But after having like two or three convos with certain people, I was like, oh, like, it almost felt like um, like I had won a prize and now everyone wants yeah. to take it off me. And I could just see it like I was, people, the one thing that people do, oh my God, we want to support your work. Um, have a meeting with us. We want to discuss how we can promote your work. You yes. get to the meeting. Hey, Malone, this is everything our company does. We do this, 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 and this. We do this, 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 and this. We do this, 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 and this. So the work that you're doing with Mind the Gap, we've had loads of people come and do it, try and... We've, we've had loads of people come and try and do that before. They didn't really get too far. But we believe that if you join our company, and I'll be sitting in the meeting like, what the hell? Like, why am I here? Yeah. But, I guess it was all a learning. It was all part of like a learning process almost. So, yeah. So you said you made it in you made it in May, right? And then well, you finished it in May. Finished it in May. Released it in June. No. So then it, we the work started in November. Work started finished, in November. We finished in May. Finished I in put May. the the announcement out in, in June. June. And the work didn't actually release until August. And the work didn't release until August. So you had yeah. all of these plans coming through that were coming through for about a year somewhat time scale. And you yeah. said you had a five-year plan, but that got fast-tracked, as you Definitely. said, by the response <laughs> massively. Yeah. You weren't anticipating what was going to happen. And you've only gone on to have people that were interested in you for good reasons, bad reasons, some people in the wake of the Black Lives Matter jumping on the trend? Because I think people follow reputation sometimes and not necessarily because they actually support that work. So I wanted to ask you, with the support that you've had and in the wake of the Black Lives Matter, do you think it's almost coincidental with what happened, unfortunately, to George Floyd that Mind the Gap took off in the way that it did? Do you think if, it didn't, if what happened with George Floyd didn't happen, it wouldn't have reached the traction that it had reached? Um, personally, I still feel like it would have reached the same traction. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time um, people try and almost, well, I get this a lot to say, oh, you're lucky. Like, not not because it was lucky, but like, obviously, like, rest in peace to George Floyd, and it was tragic that he lost his life. 
Um, but people are like, you're lucky that happened so that yeah. Mind the Gap could happen or Mind the Gap could get the response that it got. And I always tell people that I don't necessarily think that the two are aligned. However, I believe that something just came out which resonated with a lot of people. Yes. And so many people, especially from a UK perspective, I don't have an exact, but I can very, I can put a strong argument for it's the first of its kind in the UK. Yes. It's not the first of its kind in the world, but in the UK, I'm not sure if there's been a UK-based source like that. So because of that, I sit there and think that regardless of what happened this year it still would have got the response that it got because at the end of the day the work is needed by everyone like it's the people who were responding to it a lot were like doctors healthcare professionals like almost advocating that we've been crying out for this for years yeah we've been silenced for so many years but now it's almost like we have another voice we have like almost the second coming um and <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that other voice that kind of empowers people like no we need to make sure that this time we are heard and i can't say we've we've been i can say we've been heard i can't say that someone has actions now that we've been heard yes we've definitely almost walked into the room shook the table and said no we're here to stay and what would you like to have come about as a result of Mind the Gap? You said you shook the table, they've entered, they've opened the door, maybe they've given you a seat now, but what actions would you like them to take with the Mind the Gap? So for Mind the Gap, I believe that is work that should be implemented into all healthcare courses up and down the country. Um, I don't see why, I think it's even so crazy and so bizarre and almost, I think, I don't see why we're even discussing like why it's so important to teach how diseases present on different colours of skin. Yeah. Like, it's, all, it's so obvious that, like, even with Man the Gap, the problem was so obvious that it was almost too obvious to ask the question a lot of the time, especially from a student point of view. Um, so, as a whole, I would love to see it being implemented across medical curriculums, up and down the UK, up and down the world. Mm. Um, I want to see it also being used in practice as well. I know certain practices are adopting the work. So as of yesterday, I heard that the South East Coast Ambulance Service in the UK have taken on the work. So they cover Brighton and Hove. Yes. Suffix. Um, I can't remember the other areas. My geography has gone in the bin. But <laughs> to say that ambulance services are taking the work on board, um, if that could happen to many other trusts um, up and down the country... Um, also in the US, in Canada, Australia, India, Nigeria, Ghana, Zimbabwe, South Africa, just any country, you name it. Everyone needs to take on the work on board because it's just so fundamental, if you ask me. And so when we think about Mind the Gap, it's become an agent of inclusivity for those to show how different diseases or issues present on melanated skin. So yeah. as you said, it's also now in, um, is it Brighton and Hove and the South Coast? Is it South Coast, you said? Yeah. South Coast, it's, gonna, it's all there as well. And you want to see it in Canada, Australia, essentially all over the world, you would love to see global. it. So when you think about the global impact it could have, how would you manage that? 
I would love to like, ha have <laughs> thought about that because you haven't been able to even, you know, f I suppose, breathe and think, whoa, hold up. This plan came about quicker than I could ever expect. So yeah, yeah. have you thought about the global impact and how you'll be able to manage that? So the global impact, I can even tell you right now, the global impact is like, it has begun. Um, I see like, I will have medical students. Like, in fact, the most love that has been received or the most, like the greatest response has been from USA and Canada. And they are implementing, <laughs> they are implementing, um, like they're implementing the work so quick. Like it's hard to even, to even comprehend how quickly they're doing it. Like it's so, so quick. Like today they'll be like, oh my God, we're setting up a meeting with the deans of the medical school. On Tuesday they'll be like, yes, it's been approved. Wednesday it's like, yes, we're having a curriculum review. The following week, yes, our curriculum has changed. And that's obviously because the way medical schools over there are governed is completely different. So medical Absolutely. schools kind of operate like, the way private schools operate in the yeah, UK. Yeah, they're, they're independent almost. Yeah, so I can understand that they kind of have a bit more freedom to change things very quickly. Um, the time to assess the actual global impact, I don't think I've even had the time thus far. Like, globally, I get, like, my phone does not stop pinging because one <laughs> thing that Mind the Gap has taught me is that no matter what time it is in the UK, it is daytime somewhere else in the world. Yeah. So I will literally, it's funny because I've kind of adjusted in my head to time zones. So it's like right now at this time, I'll be like, okay, everyone east, well, I don't know if it's east, but like towards Eastern Europe, Australia, Japan, China, Asia kind of sides, they will be the people messaging me. Well, not messaging me at the moment, sorry, but it will be like America, Canada, um, South America, who will be messaging me. And then at like midnight, it then switches to go to that side because all of a sudden these guys are all waking up and they'll be sending me messages. Um, so the global impact is hard to even comprehend. Yeah. I think it's weird because we live in such a digital age that sometimes it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Um, because I'll get a message that, hi, um, I'm from Brazil. But in my head, I'm like, uh, like you could be from Brazil, you could not. I think what made me kind of realize that, whoa, is when I started talking to these people like on Zoom calls um, and you hear the accents and you're like, oh, this God. is real. You told me you're in Australia and you actually have an Australian accent. Like <laughs> for me, it's so fascinating because in my head every time I'm like, nah, they're probably lying. They're not in Australia. And then when they kind of, we go on Zoom and they're showing me outside and it's just, I'm like, this is crazy. So. <laughs> well, you literally have been able to travel the world with different people through Zoom. When you Literally. think about it, right? I've so, been to every continent on this planet through Zoom in the past two months. See, and that <laughs> says that your work globally has gone on to do great things already. So you said in America, some places are implementing it into their curriculum. So when we think about the UK and your experience of the UK, how have you felt as a medical student? How do you feel about healthcare, especially as a black young man? Um, so as a, as a medical student, as a black man, I feel like it's so, it's so almost difficult to navigate the space because I think, I, yeah, again, I don't have like actual facts and figures for this. Um, however, I think black males are probably like the least as in like a group, um, 
on the course of medicine. Like on my course, for instance, I'm one of three black guys, even though my university wow. is in South London. And that's, where, where did you go? Um, St. George's Listen, University. I live down the road from St. George's, bro. <laughs> Meet me. <laughs> do, you, do you live at a student accommodation? No, 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 no. I live, I live in Tooting, but... Um, bro, that's crazy. Link up, soon come. Of course. Um, Neil's on yeah. me to say thank you for the work you're doing. <laughs> There's a Nando's. <laughs> say no more, Nando's it is. Okay, cool. I'm waiting for the text. Say no more. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, like... As a black male in medicine, it's such a hard space to navigate because black people, as from a from a start, we're already a minority on the medicine course, mm -hmm. and then the way medicine is currently split, there's more females than males. So as a black male, we're almost like a minority on the course. So I found it so hard coming to medicine because there wasn't people like me when I got here on day one, and. I know that, of course, like it's not all your friends are always going to have to be black males. However, when you get to an uncomfortable environment, the thing, the thing you tend to do is look for look people for that someone. look like you. Exactly. So I got to this environment. I'm looking for people that look like me. I can't find them. Mm. And it took me so long to almost acclimatize to medicine as a whole because medicine is like going to learn another language. If you were not submerged, submerged in the medic culture, it's something that you'll come into and you'll be like, oh my God, like, what the hell? Like, why do people do this? Why do people do that? Yeah. After a while, you start to pick it up like, oh, okay. And with the way medicine is currently split, 80% um, of medical students come from 20% of backgrounds. So like the general consensus knows what's going on. And when you're in this minority, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. And you kind of feel pressured because everybody else knows what they're doing. Um, I think with healthcare, um, navigating healthcare as a black man um, I can't give an absolute answer to this because I can't say I'm at that stage yet and I don't want to like prematurely talk so I can if you get me on a live two years from now I can give you an answer to that um, that's a date but, too, two years from now as well yeah so as a whole I think for black people in healthcare I think it's so important that people who are in medical school, in healthcare courses, that you use your voice to amplify your voice because there's so many other issues. Mind the Gap was only one of a host of problems which we kind of identified. It's so important that you use your voice to amplify your voice to let people know, let people hear you because although medical, although um, healthcare is meant to be equal, unfortunately, where there's people, there's politics and then biases start to enter these spaces and then that equalness which was at the beginning is no longer is starting to shift in one direction um so i think it's so important that we increase representation of black people um and other minority people as well because i can only speak for the black experience but i'm sure other minority experiences are probably similar um to just increase representation in the field because it's so vital so so important like it goes such a long way um this is drifting off a little bit but one of the things, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I had a, an interview of Al Jazeera, so AJ Plus um, on Instagram. And in that interview, I wore a do-rag and so many people resonated. Like people were yeah. questioning like, how is this guy wearing a do-rag but talking about this? And for reasons like that, that's why in my head, it's so important because 
there there was another black boy watching that who also wants to do medicine he probably was told before or had the impression that oh like to do medicine you have to be xyz if you don't fit that box you can't go and do it because that's what i thought beforehand um so to me um just showing the world and showing myself almost in my most comfortable setting and showing that to other young aspiring boys like a durag is almost like a staple piece of in the uk at the moment so you, if you go onto any high street, you'll see a black boy in a durag somewhere. So then I hope that resonates with black boys particularly and everyone else to just show you that I'm not trying to be somebody else on these platforms. I'm just trying to give you myself as I am. You will see, if you met me today, how you see me on the interview is exactly the same person. Like, I didn't want to change myself just to, oh, Washington Post is now talking to you and I'm now changing myself. I'm now wearing this shirt for an interview. However... If I was at home, I would not be wearing this shirt on an off day. So I think that's why things like that are so important. And that says a lot about where you've come from and how you're carrying that on. And I think a lot of people, when they find a newfound fame, they have this idea of no one talk to me now. I'm going to dress to present to be someone I'm not. Listen, the only thing I'm wishing that you had if your durag was a little string vest for the culture, but we'll leave that <laughs> one out. Um, Stephanie made a comment here saying, I have the same feelings about vet in veterinary medicine. Really noticed not seeing people that looked like me when I first started. Representation has such an important part to play. Malone, I'll let you comment on that. 100%. Like, I, I feel like when we talk about representation, people downplay how important it is. I think sometimes it's literally just seeing someone that looks like you in the lift. Like, it kind of gives you that energy to keep going, to keep... And to just carry on because sometimes you can start to feel alienated. You'll feel like this space is not for me. Um, I'm just not meant to be here, X, Y, Z. If I talk about my own experiences, when I got to medical school, um, this is actually coming out in a video of mine, which will be out towards the end of September. When I got to medical school, I found myself changing the way I talk, the way um, the music that I listen to, just so that I could fit in with the environment. And... You know when you, I don't know if ever, anyone's ever done this, but you know when you lie to yourself and your body almost rejects your lie, like your soul is just not letting you, like you're there trying to force yourself to do this, but your soul just, it's not allowing. That was literally me. Um, so I'd find myself listening to like Oasis and I never listened to Oasis. I listened to Rick Ross. I listened to Meek Mill. I listened to Jay-Z. <laughs> That's what I listen to. But I said Oasis to Meek Mill to Rick Cross. Yeah, that's that's what I listen to. That's what I like. And I would find myself changing just to fit in with this environment. And then I think it's almost like a natural thing to do. Like you kind of want to fit in so that you kind of just have a seamless experience. However, um, yeah. However, once you kind of start to realise that I don't necessarily need to fit in to survive in this environment, but I guess it's all part of the journey, essentially. And sometimes when people are suffering from imposter syndrome, of course, like, I like to give them advice and whatnot and whatnot. However, sometimes I think you have to go through lows to know what the wins feel like. Or you have to kind of be in that position and find out what works for you. Because I can tell you that, oh, I did this, this and this, and it worked. However, for you... 
it might not work. So I feel like sometimes it needs a bit of independence and kind of find your feet. Of course, like you don't like people feeling like an imposter for too long because it can lead you to jump off the course essentially. Yes. Um, for me specifically, yeah, within my first two months, I was like, yo, it's time to go. Mm. Because I just, so many things were just going, in my head, uni had just not gone to what I thought it was going to be. Like, I had almost created this imaginary, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get to university, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I got there, everything was completely left. And I was like, oh, maybe it's me that needs to go. However, um, I'm really thankful that I managed to kind of come out of that space and find myself. Um, and I think finding myself um, from my own perspective was embracing that my individuality is probably my most powerful asset. Amen. Um, a lot of the time people run away from the thing which they have the most control of and the thing that is most valuable to them. They just don't realize it's like their biggest asset and that's just yourself. Of course, it's easier said than done to be yourself but yourself is so valuable. Like, think about it. There's some people who literally get paid to just be themselves. That's how valuable yourself can be sometimes. Absolutely. And I think that's a powerful statement when other people... And what was it? I, I heard there was a quote that um, I think it said, the most powerful act you can do in society is to love yourself in a society that profits off your insecurities. Or mm -hmm. something like that. So you've been able to find your security in a society or in a profession that you felt like hasn't always included you. You went from trying to listen to Oasis, returning back to the culture, listening to Meek Mill and Rick Ross. And then you made, so you had Mind the Gap. As I said before, that was probably an inclusive agent for you. Has the reception now been different in terms of, do you feel stronger in yourself now because you've made Mind the Gap, and do you feel less of that imposter syndrome that you felt in the first two months? Yeah, so I feel like, um, I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a book called Taking Up Space by... Yeah, I've, I've read it. I've sent it to so many of my friends. <laughs> so yeah, literally, I have taken up space. I've let people know that I am in the room. I'm we are heard. I am here, I'm present. Um, I think that statement alone is so powerful. Um, it's funny because one day I want to, um, I want to almost post the receipts of the rejections that we got for Mind the Gap. Amen. You'll be surprised, but I would say if I could put numbers on it, 90% of people said that Mind the Gap was like a bad idea or like don't do Mind the Gap or like there was just more negativity than there was positivity. Yeah. Um, especially given that I was only second year. People used to kind of look at me and belittle me because I am only a second year. And that's another thing with healthcare and medicine as a whole. There's almost like a hierarchy. And as a medical student in your second year, you're quite near the bottom of this hierarchy. So, of course, when I'm going to people who are more senior, more higher up this hierarchy, they will kind of look at me like, you're broke. You are a second year. However, I think one thing that my work has shown is that it doesn't matter who you are, like... Like, who you are doesn't matter. As long as you can produce, like, almost good quality work and be able to do something which produces almost results and has impacts and helps people, then it doesn't matter, like, where you came from or what you did before or X, Y, Z. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I want to say quickly to anyone watching, if you've got questions for Malone, feel free to put them in the question box because I think Malone is going to be more than happy to ask them. So, Malone. Of course. You spoke, about, you spoke about a hierarchy in the medical field and from what you've experienced. And you had knockbacks from people essentially saying to you, you're only a second year, what do you really know? People telling you that it was a bad idea. Yeah. Why did you not let that stop you, though? Because a lot of people, when obstacles come their way or hurdles come their way, they go, nope, I'm going to give up here. Was there something inside of you that said, I am not going to give up? This Mind the Gap must be published. I have to make it right now because there's other people out there. I think for me, kind of the motivation and the drive kind of came from, I couldn't find the answer. I was like, okay, if you want to say no to my almost solution, it's okay, I'm open to learning. And I'm always, I always want to learn. I'm like, okay, so now you've said no to me, can you point me in the right direction to find the answers? And a lot of the time people couldn't point me in that direction. I think also another part, um, this is just even in general to people, I think one thing before embarking on any journey that I personally um, do is I think it's important to accept that failure is almost inevitable. Yes. And if you kind of embark on something, can you want to say that, oh, we won't fail, we'll be 100% smooth sailing all the way? The time that you get hit your first failure, you'll be looking to like, yeah, it's no longer worth it, simply because you didn't almost plan for that failure. I think it's so important how you bounce back from your failures all the time. Um, for me, of, of course, I acknowledge my position in this hierarchy and with the way healthcare medicine exists, it almost feels scary sometimes from a hierarchical point of view that um, you're challenging like senior figures. Like who are you at the bottom of the hierarchy to be questioning a consultant for the past 26 years? But my problem was I couldn't find the answer. I was like, I'm, I just want to know the answer. Like, it's okay, like, if you don't have the answer, but can you put me in the right direction? A lot of the time, people couldn't do that. And I, to me, it was something so simple. And people would be like, oh, you'll learn about it on, when you get on the job. And, yeah, I just couldn't find the answer. Um, I think after that, it was so important that I kind of had a strategy that, oh, when we hit hurdles, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond? And I think that's not even related to mind the gap. That's just a personal thing. Like you need to find that within yourself to know how you can almost tackle those problems once you hit them. Because the truth is they are coming. So whether that be like, for instance, it could be, oh, your website just doesn't work. Or I don't know, you sent an email out and it bounced back. Like some sort of failure will come and it's so important to have almost programmed in yourself what you're going to do when those failures come. Okay. And with you forging that mindset, I suppose, and in the way that you've imagined it, you've gone on, you've done Mind the Gap, you're at the position where you are right now. What do you want to do with your life in five years? So in five years from now, I'll be 26. I think for me, it's so fundamental that I can continue to help and continue to support the community behind me. Um, I don't know, for me specifically, one thing that resonates with me so much is black men in academia. So we're throughout my journey, um, 
Was Quick question, what was the title of the book you both mentioned just now? It's called Taking Up Space. Oh, Taking Up, yeah, Taking Up Space by Chelsea and Ore. I forgot their surnames. Uh, it's a um, book, they both went to Oxford, if I'm correct, right? Cambridge. Cambridge, and you're speaking about their experience. Yeah, it's, yeah, Taking Up Space is like the black experience, well, a black woman's experience in a very white-centric educational environment, which is Cambridge. Um, it's a really good book. Um, it kind of resonated with me a lot because a lot of the things they were talking about, they also happen to me on a daily basis. Um, I am sorry, I forgot what you just asked me for. I was asking you, so everything that's happened right now, you've gone on with so much. You had this mindset that you knew you were going to face obstacles. You said that in five years, you're going to be 26. I just want to know, what does, what the, what's your five-year plan for Mind the Gap, as well as your own career within the medical and healthcare profession? Okay, so for Mind the Gap, um, I want to see Mind the Gap eventually be implemented into all medical schools in the UK and into medical schools nationwide. Um, and when I say implemented, by this I mean that the work has to be a staple Teach, lecturers need to be being told that it's important to include different color skin tones in your lectures to not exclude a certain group just because they only make up 20% of the population. Um, also to have this in small group teaching just all across the board. Um, I would also like it to be, essentially I would like it to be taken up by all of healthcare. Um, and I would like to see the website, which is www.blackandbrownskin.co.uk. Um, I would like to see that grow into like a comprehensive database of images on black and brown skin and also have people share their stories of their experiences with healthcare. I hope that this creates a shift within organizations such as the Center of Disease Control in the US and the NHS in the UK to almost illustrate that. No, um, we need to start changing things. So... You know, when you go to the GP and there's a, almost like an awareness poster on the wall, I'm, I'm sure like most of the other ones are probably being removed because of COVID. So it's all COVID at the moment. But prior to COVID, there would have been like, um, I don't know, meningitis awareness or just something awareness. And it'll be like a picture of someone and it'll have symptoms to look out for. Even things like that to start to see, oh, yes, there is a white patient there, okay, now there is an Asian patient there, now there is a black patient there, so that people can kind of feel a bit more connected to healthcare. Um, I hope the results from this will start to see some of the healthcare disparities which exist in the UK at the moment start to decrease. Um, this is everything from black women being five times more likely to die during childbirth to um, what else? Black, black women being likely to die during childbirth, the COVID, um, what's it called, the COVID healthcare disparities, black men being more likely to be sectioned under the mental health acts, just a whole host of different healthcare disparities. From a educational point of view, I will be an F2, which is the second year of training as a doctor in the UK. Um, I've got plans for that, but I don't think this is the place to say it. Like okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep those are like almost reserved to okay. myself. I don't think it's stuff that I want to air out in public as of yet. Okay, but 
hopefully you'll be able to see the growth. And when we get there, it will almost be like, yes, it started here and now it's evolved into this. I can respect that and I understand that some things you've got to keep quiet, you know, some things you can't let everybody know. I'd yeah. love to know, with your feelings about black men, health, you know, mental health, what do you believe some of the reasons are why black men come into contact with more mental health issues and why do you think there's such a disparity within health with black men and their mental health? This is such, like, this is such a big topic and it's something that I would love to almost have an event to kind of have black men in the room and we kind of discuss mental health. I know that Jess is working with an organisation called, I think, Black, black People in Psychology and Psychiatry, um, I think. I think that's what it's called. But I know they had an event and even other things that are going on in London, such as Black Men Talk, um, 50 Black Men. I think one problem that there is for black men is a lot of the time um, our feelings or we, we just never speak about our feelings. Like as a black man, you almost kind of put your feelings to the side all the time. And it's almost like I read a quote the other day, which was like black men's way of dealing with traumas by getting rich. And it resonated with me so much because I started thinking about all of the rappers that I listened to. Yep. They will literally, 50 Cent will be rapping. I got shot yesterday, but now I'm back out trying to make money. And well, when you think about that from a mental health point of view, like it's toxic. That is toxic as hell. And it's so crazy. But we'll be bopping our head like, yeah, like, yeah, he's saying so. And I feel like too, too often, I think the whole black men mental health thing, I think it's something that needs to start from us. I know a lot of the time people, like external parties, like um, even like black women were black. Um, yeah, like you can always come and talk to us and stuff like that, which um, I think is great. And I think if you have that almost facility in your life, I think as a black man, you should always use it because I think women are more in touch with their feelings than men and they will um, kind of help you a lot. But to kind of tackle the issue as a whole, I think as black men, we need to make it more acceptable to talk about our feelings. We need to make it okay to almost be vulnerable. And okay, not every day that we need to be like the alpha male, the strong black man, just which is presented by society. Um, I would just need to start to have these discussions like, bro, like it's okay to be in that state. And once we start to make that almost more socially acceptable, um, I think... However, um, I think that starts with us. I feel like our forefathers, it's almost deeply ingrained in our nature that we need to be the ones that change it. Do you not feel... Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel more positive about the future for black men? And again, going back to what you've made, mind the gap. You're a black man who's created something that generations will be able to use and as you said hopefully to be implemented in the curriculum and you said you also wanted to create an event for black men to be able to talk about are you more positive for the future of black men in mental health and just in general melanated skin within the medical and healthcare profession yeah so i'm i'm more positive because 
as a society as a whole, it's almost now more acceptable in general just to talk about mental health alone, like don't, no matter who you are. And then I think it's also important that as black men, we start to come out and say, like, guys, this is how um, how I'm feeling. Um, it's important that we all speak about our feelings because we do go through a lot, like the whole um, stop and search stuff, like it's traumatizing. Like imagine I've been hearing stories like 13 year old boys stopped and searched by police as in handcuffed for absolutely nothing. And to have those experiences at such a young age is so traumatizing. And one thing about me, I listen to rap music quite a lot. And in the rap, if you break it down, there's a lot of trauma that people are rapping. I at agree. The moment, at the moment, there's a big surge of like drill music in the UK. If you actually break down those lyrics, a lot of it is trauma. Like guys who are like 17, 16 will be rapping like when I go to so-and-so's block, I'm always on the lookout. That is almost like PTSD, just screaming yes, it about is. it. So it's important that we also need to start breaking it down in a, a language that we as black men can understand. I feel like sometimes when we talk about our feelings and whatnot, maybe the reason why it's not so receptive on the black male end is because it's in a language that we are not understanding or is almost foreign and we don't want to take it in. However, I think maybe even a good idea will be to even break down these drill songs that I know certain black men will be listening to, but like, look, he said this, 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 and this, you were all bopping your heads. However, if we break it down and really want to talk about it, this is PTSD. This is trauma from past events. This is this. And we're rapping about it to make it look cool and to make it almost be something that me and you can both resonate with. However, the truth is, there's a bit of concern in these lyrics. And that's a very interesting point that we should break down rap and especially drill just in, in general. So I used to work on a project in a school with the Transformation Trust and three of us boys used to go in and talk to these young children about music lyrics. And um, I used to focus on rap music. My friend used to focus on the war on drugs. And I had another friend who used to focus on um, education. So we would put on music and the kids, as you said, they'll be bopping their head, be like, yo, tune, sir, what do you know about this tune? Like, this tune slaps. I'm like, I'm young. What do you think I am, an old man? And then what we used to do would be we would break it down lyric by lyric. And the children then used to realise, hold up, these guys have gone through a lot of stuff. And as you said, the greatest way for them to get over their trauma in their head was to get rich. It's, what, it, like, it's very much a toxic idea, as we both would agree. And I think the way we consciously consume music sometimes isn't even conscious. I think it's quite subliminal, and I think it reaches our subconscious in ways we can't imagine. But that's a whole other conversation in itself, I think. Literally. Music... It's even me, I would confidently say, sometimes myself, I'll be like, you know what? You know when you have almost like a heart, like you almost think money will solve your problems. Like you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'll just make my money and we move. What? Yeah. It's the most top, like when you think, like I think when that, when I saw that tweet from someone, it hit me so hard because I've like, I've done this so many times and I haven't even noticed. Or you'll be like, you know what? Tomorrow I'll go to work and we'll make money and all of our problems will be put in the past. And even when you watch films with like, um, like the gangster films 
that is the narrative which is used so much, but we don't really talk about it a lot. And yeah. Quick question: Who's your favorite rapper? Uh, la, 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 la. Like my favorite rapper, like just outside as a whole, is Kanye West. The current Kanye or the old Kanye? From a music perspective, the old it, Kanye. I think Kanye's a genius, no matter what I think about him and his own political views, but I think musically he's a genius, right? Yeah, from a yeah, from a musical perspective, Kanye West. I think Kanye West is such like I feel like people don't appreciate. It. I think my like my favorite rappers, Kanye West, Jay Z, Rick Ross. Okay. I think even even wait, I will be vulnerable in this space right now. Go ahead. My love for Rick Ross almost comes from a place of trauma. Okay. Rick Ross disrupts motivational rap, getting rich rap, making money rap. Uh-huh. And as a black man, I'm looking at that like yes. Like let's go. Great. But if I kind of analyze myself and I break it down, why am I getting so buzzed off that stuff? And that kind of goes into unlocking my own um trauma almost like i have to listen to rick ross feel inspired go and make money and bang all my problems are solved because the way rick ross wraps it kind of wraps it like yeah i made 100 m's yesterday and today we're comfy what is it he said in a in a song i had a seizure called out a minor setback i'm like what the <laughs> heck my man's talking about having Bro, a seizure listen listen to setback. how Listen to how toxic that statement is. It is. I had a seizure, minor setback. Like, what? Like, <laughs> but I think I've had a lot of issues with Rick Ross where he uh, made a song about it was rapey. He said, um, I pop a what is it? I pop a Molly in a drink and she didn't oh, even yeah, know yeah, it. Yeah. Like, again, you're again, right, he's incredibly problematic, but yeah, the fact that we can tear apart his lyrics and realize this man has probably been for a lot doesn't justify some of the things that he said and he's done, but it's and important. Even, even with rappers, when you break down the lifestyle that they lived and where they came from, a lot of rap um, is not entertainment. It's people yes, rapping in real life. But however, we have consumed it in a way that it's entertainment. Yes. And we forget that these are actual life events. Yeah. So when people are rapping these lyrics, sometimes I think as black men, we almost need to we almost need to almost create a space where we can kind of show people that, look, it's okay that Rick Ross raps like this. These are life experiences. We can't deny that. However, we need to also put strategies and put things in place that people are able to talk about XYZ because we go through a lot at the end of the day. I agree. We go through so much. And I think I want to say thank you for sharing the fact that you like Rick Ross and you listen to his music out of trauma, I think it's important to recognise that's not always easy to speak about. So I have to say thank you for sharing that. I want to ask you, when you think about Mind the Gap and everything that's happened and all the, you know, the applause and the accomplishments you've been able to have as a result of it, you already said that your part of the plan wasn't to be where you are now, but you've had to adjust really quickly. Just when you think about your surrounding environment, how important has your environment been to being the Malone that I'm being able to speak to today that has been able to make Mind the Gap? 
So um, I think your environment is important as much as people hate the statement. Like if you have five friends who are X, you will be the sixth. So I think your environment almost kind of defines you as much as you like it or not. Um, you always carry parts of your environment. Um, so I think for me, I kind of grew up in a place where we would always ask why we would we we kind of just wouldn't settle. Like you can't tell me that, yeah, we do X Y Z, and I I would always ask the question, but why? And a lot of the time, um, your mom must have hated you, man. <laughs> so it's like, but why? Like why is that the normal why? Yeah. And I think as as young people in general. In my opinion, young people have the power to change the world because we are able to ask why. The older you get, the more comfortable you get and the more unlikely you will ask why because it almost kind of becomes the norm. Um, your environment is so important as well because your environment... Um, yeah, your environment kind of... It rubs off on you and it's where you kind of go back to kind of assess yourself, like, is this important? Is this not important? Um, like I said, my environment at medical school was kind of very limiting, but at the same time gave me the drive because I could see that I wasn't like everybody else. However, I can see that there's issues here which everybody else can't see. So where I came from, that environment, to where I now am, this environment, what I learned over there, I kind of brought it to the table over here and it kind of then became so valuable. And even on that respects, um, I think it's so important even like, I don't know if anybody in the live is watching who does medicine or is on a course where they are one of three black people or black men or whatever. Um, your lived experiences and your life experiences are so valuable. Um, as much as you might think it's valuable, but what you know just from growing up and doing X, Y, Z and whatnot, it is extremely valuable. Why? Because the majority in the room don't know about that. Like a lot of experts that we see these days are not actually experts in the field. They just know more than most. So if you take that same statement and backtrack it to you, because you know more than most in your environment, technically you then become an expert on this issue. So it's so important that you kind of acknowledge that you do have some expertise wherever you are. You just dropped the closing statement that I was going to ask <laughs> you to say. What was it you're going to be able to say to everybody? So I want to ask I, I, for my final question and for everyone that's watching, how can we support your work, Malone? And what can we do to ensure that Mind the Gap continues to reach the applause that it's had? <laughs> okay, so first things first, you can contact Stormzy and tell him that I want to have a chat. <laughs> I listen. What, what, off research, everyone's been telling me they want to get in contact with Stormzy, and I'm going to be uh, doing a live with someone who works with him. So again, I'm going to be oh, trying to put you tell in him, contact. Tell him, tell him that Malone just wants to have a chat. Say no um, more. After that, you can contact Jay Z and tell him that I want to have dinner. Man after said dinner. That, well, well, obviously, <laughs> if I can get Ratman on an Instagram live, then we're talking. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, um, so yeah. Just continue to follow my Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, continue to retweet the work. Continue to share the work. Mind the gap with 
also open so that the community can also donate pictures to the work. So if you know someone who has, I don't know, psoriasis, eczema, meningitis, um, all at your own consent because we don't want people to kind of feel pressured or anything into sending their pictures, but at your own consent, um, you can send your pictures and add to the database of images, which is um, slowly growing. Um, if that is not an option for you or you don't feel comfortable doing so, we also have a feature on the Black and Brown Skin website, which allows... Um, which allows you to share your story because I think loads of people have been silenced by the lack of almost their lack of treatment that they've received from healthcare or their lack of um, understanding that the healthcare system has given them with their problem. So I think it's so important that we give these people a voice so that they can share their story. Um, on our website, we also have a feature where they can share their story, which is pivotal. Um, and yeah expect more to come i am working on a few projects myself um so yeah malone honestly i heard that longer that's time to go isn't it no 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 that's oh, my alarm that's telling me that i should be in my bed to wake up for the gym tomorrow to get me some gains <laughs> but no honestly i think when i have conversations with young black men like yourself it reminds me that we are no longer just locked into achievements of the body, but we are also black men who are achieving things that are mindful and great and it's going to carry on for other generations to be able to benefit from. So honestly, I, I think thank you is an understatement for the work that you've done and the fact that it's reached where it has, I think is a tiny testament to the things that you're going to go on and do. And most importantly, because you live so close to me, I basically expose my location to people, but you know. <laughs> but <Even me. laughs> listen, we we got a link up. We've got a conversation, and we've got more to definitely speak about. And I'm looking forward to what the future holds for you. And um, send me Thank through you. all your work. I'll put it up on my page as well, so people can access it. And I think a lot of people on this live and people that are going to go on to watch the live are feeling like. The medical field is the one for them. And if they wanted to get into it, they can do it. So I hope so, because medicine, well, medicine, um, not the, me well, medicine, as aside from the medical field, is very almost white and Asian, very heavy. Like, everyone has seen a white doctor. Everyone has seen an Asian doctor. But have you seen a black doctor? Rarely. So it's so important that we continue to increase that representation. Mind the Gap is one of many issues that I could speak about. But well, we, thank can't, you. we can't address every problem at once. We kind of have to do this, do the best we can. Move well, on thank to you for creating something that's honestly going to bridge the gap for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I genuinely want to say thank you. So Malone, this has been <laughs> such a joy and a pleasure, man. Your smile's warmed my day, man. <laughs> And I can tell thank my mum someone's created something that you can see people that look like us on it, mum. So thank you, man. Yeah. Listen, it's, we'll chat. Let me know what she says. Definitely, man. We'll chat and we'll keep in contact. Of course. So take care. All right. Same to you as well. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow, and make sure everybody gets to have the blessing that is conversations. And remember, Flower Hour is the podcast where conversations blossom.